way that health is marketed to us, we need to remember that it's marketed to us by the diet culture. There are very few people who eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full. Mm. Because if you can master that, you'll never have a problem with your weight ever again. Being healthy is not about cooking from scratch every single day. It's about making the best choice for you. And if that means you've got to factor in convenience because you haven't got the time or the capacity or the inclination to cook, then why not? On this week's episode of The Engaging Marketeer, I am speaking to Hayley Field, the food ninja. Hayley helps business owners like myself eat healthily, uh, get the right mindset to eat healthily and be more happy about their own physical appearance and physical health. So I'm going to be getting some tips from Haley on how I can turn this into an Adonis. Well, how I can turn this into less of this is probably more what we're going to be talking about. Your brand. Yes. Ninja. Yes. What 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 made you want to do Ninja? Because back in the UK, I mean, you're you're too young to remember this, but we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Ninja oh, was I'm a not, no Ninja was a naughty word. They couldn't call them Ninja. Really? They had to change it to Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in the UK. They were not allowed to say the word Ninja wow. for children in the UK in case they went out and did naughty things and started chopping each other. Oh, in case they started fighting each so, other. Yeah. So why, what made you pick Ninja? Well, like all true ninjas, the name was bestowed upon me by someone else, actually. Of course it was. Of course (laughs) it was. So when I first started my – so I've been running my business for uh, about 10 years now. So I retrained because previously I used to work in the corporate world as an IT consultant. Um, So how I got into what I'm doing now is I joined a CrossFit box and I helped out someone with a nutrition challenge um my mentor a guy called martin foster um and i got really sort of interested in it and one of the members said was asking a question about dates and i said oh yeah they've got like 73 percent carbs you know they're sort of like a bit of a sneaky saboteur of your macros and he said to me wow Haley, you're quite the food ninja these days and that's and it kind of stuck i was like that's amazing i should get that on a (laughs) t-shirt But I said I just called my whole business it. <laughs> and, and do you have it on a T-shirt now? I do, yeah, I do. I should have worn it today, shouldn't I? I've got lots of merch. I'm just looking around for it. I've got these little uh, pin badges that my clients get. So that's a black belt look. Oh, I love so, a pin badge. Yeah, so they that. have, obviously, they start at white belt, and then we've got black belts. Just to gamify it a little bit. But, yeah, I've got all sorts of merch now. It's ripe for merch, Food Ninja. It, and and the, the graphics you've got there, the little ninja characters, the little anime characters, did you, you get somebody to actually design those up for you? Yeah, a really, really uh, clever person called G. Sabini Roberts. So they are um, a sort of branding expert. Mm. And, yeah, they did all the branding for me. They're amazing. Right. Um, so with, with your Food Ninja brand, how exactly do you help businesses? Did you go in and like punch food out of their faces and, and stop them from eating? <laughs> um, not exactly. I mean, That's I'm a shame. sure. I had a, I had a vision would, then. Yeah, I'm sure some people would like me to to use that tactic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so originally um, it was Food Ninja because obviously I was just doing nutrition and I retrained in nutrition and, you know, stopped my corporate job and whatever. Um, and then when I was working with, with people on their nutrition, 
I realized very quickly that the reason people um, couldn't maintain a healthy weight was actually nothing to do with food. Like everyone knows what they're supposed to eat. Um, mm. So I then did lots of other qualifications. So I'm a, a qualified sleep science coach. I'm a stress and recovery coach, a health mindset coach, and also a CBT practitioner. Um, because I realized that a lot of it was quite, um, you know, it's more mindset and to do with things, you know, attitudes and beliefs about food, which is why people can't can't stay healthy. Um, and while I was doing this, I noticed that a group of people who are quite underserved in that area, but absolutely need help is business owners. So I would say like 95% of my clients are business owners. Um, oh. And, you know, they all come to me saying they want to lose weight for, for various different reasons. You know, some of them might feel not that great but also if you are the face of your business and you are how you get business you know putting yourself out there on video speaking on stages all that kind of stuff if you don't feel comfortable um with you know not just it's not just about weight you know if you don't feel comfortable with how you look but also how it's making you feel not being that healthy it's really hard to put yourself out there and represent your business and be, you know, really enthusiastic and do lots of networking and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think I get a lot of a lot of sort of clients from that perspective, but also this kind of a hustle and grind culture. We're all told, you know, unless you work yourself to death, you don't you don't deserve to be successful mm. and all of that kind of stuff. So that's a lot of the reason why I did a lot of the kind of stress and recovery qualifications I look at people you know helping people with their sleep some of the unhelpful coping mechanisms that they're using like you know alcohol to wind down at night you know pro plus um nootropics all of that kind of stuff which are just really like sticking plasters on, on a bit of a wound really mm. you know I felt like I was in a coaching session then because you you were pretty much describing me the whole yeah. concept of getting out there and networking for your business and speaking on a stage which i, I do a lot of and yeah. not feeling comfortable about your 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 weight and your physical appearance yeah i've a lot of my clothes have shrunk over the years yeah. I, I don't know why that happened, happened during the pandemic something weird happened to people's clothes during the pandemic mine started long before that and every time <laughs> i buy them then they shrink and i have to buy different ones and and you know the, the, the sizes are not what I used to be buying. It's it's weird. No. Um, but and then you see all these business gurus and and, and and mentors and I think Stephen Bartlett does it on his podcast as well about you know he gets up at like five in the morning and spends mm. an hour doing some sort of reading and you're told that you need to do that to be successful. Yeah. If you don't get up at five, then you're just wasting your life. And yeah. that's really not me. It's very toxic as well. I find, and it's just such a lot of expectation you know I find that one of the most difficult things that I have to do with all of my clients is persuade them that when they have downtime it's not wasted time I actually had a client who said she felt like she was annoyed that she had to sleep because she felt like it was a waste of time and I was like it's kind of a primary biological need rather than a luxury you know you maybe sort of try and reframe that mm. um so that's one of the things that I, I um, have the biggest battle with is this mindset shift of actually, how do you define success? Because if you are all about the hustle and grind 
and you're working 18 hours a day and you're surviving on junk food and caffeine and alcohol um, and you're so tired at the end of the day. That's me. <laughs> like, are you successful? Because if you've got a six-figure business but you don't have the time, the energy or the capacity to enjoy the fruits of your labor, why should we define that as successful? I'm being told off now. I'm being told <laughs> off. But no, you're right, because you, you can be successful in business, but not successful in your own personal health. And, and if you're too tired to get up on a weekend and, and do what you want to do, then are you really winning? Exactly. I think health should also be a measure of someone's success. And also, you know, if we're being very blunt about it, we live in a, unfortunately, very judgmental society. So if you're trying to get new business, you know, and there's someone stood next to you with exactly the same experience and qualifications, but they look like they have their stuff together and you don't. You can say shit together. I know you were going to. Oh, good. Do you know what? I've been really editing myself. You know, I've got a terrible potty mouth, which you might have seen from some of my content if you looked at me. Mm. Uh, Eddie. But yes, I, I'm I, I'm not very good at editing myself generally. But yeah, if you don't look like you've got your shit together, why should a client trust you with theirs? And, and that's horrible because your um, appearance is no reflection on how good you are at your job. But I think we do still live in a judgmental society where people think, oh, well, they, mm. you know, she doesn't look like she's got her shit together. Why should I listen to her? Yeah. No, you're right. Because if you're standing on a stage and presenting or you're going into a client meeting, people want to buy from people they like. People want to buy from people they aspire to be. Yeah. And if, like me, you've got a couple of spare tyres and you're shaped like a pear, then people are going to look at that and go, mm, do I want to be like him? Yeah. Maybe not. So, yeah, you. Yeah. it's superficial, perhaps. Mm. But it's also contrary to the way life used to be. Because back in, I think we're talking like Victorian times, mm. the fatter you were, the more you were, people aspired to be like you because it meant you could afford to eat. You could afford to eat all of the good stuff. Yeah. yeah so definitely. rich people were fat and they all wanted to, the women, the men, they all wanted to be fat because it meant they were rich and they were of status. Yes. Whereas now, if you're thin, you're of status. It's weird yeah. how it's changed. Yeah. And that's, you know, I do work predominantly with women business owners and that's something that you know that's another layer on top and I know it's the same for men because you get all these kind of like alpha males with their like six pack I mean I don't know if you saw recently there was a guy uh, he owns a fitness company and he did a video um, which went viral on TikTok saying that he only wants people who have six packs to work for him. That was one of the stipulations in the interview, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, so I know that men are also subjected to these things, but women in particular, and certainly women, you know, of a certain age. So like I'm, I'm in my forties now and definitely you do notice this sea change of, um, you know, the way being judged for the way that you look and you know particularly for women when they sort of stand up in a in a meeting or something like that there is this extra layer of judgment that's going on and you know it's particularly women of my age you can't win if you 
go there sort of looking put together and present you know presented they're kind of like oh wow mm. why has she got time to go to the gym and stuff you know what's who's looking after her kids and then if you turn up you know looking not that way oh wow she's let herself go and now she's looking older and all that kind of stuff so um yeah there's a there's so many complexities to this sort of body image and you know being judged for the way you look rather than um what you can do mm. And how do you propose somebody actually gets around that, whether it's men or women, the mm. whole idea that if I'm in shape and I'm I'm dressed well and I've got a nice watch on and sunglasses and people are going to think, what a prick. Or <laughs> if, if I... I didn't mean it like that. But if I'm, you know, dressed in a hoodie, and a, like I am now, hoodie yeah. and a T-shirt and jeans and gut spilling out over me trousers. I don't want to give you too much graphic detail. But you, you get the idea. People look and go, he's not that bothered about the way he looks. There is this fine line that you have, but that fine line is just to please certain people. Yeah. How yeah. do you balance that when pleasing yourself and pleasing other people? And what? Mm. How do you do it? I think the most important thing is to feel right about what you're doing for yourself you know, you can see when someone isn't taking care of themselves and they know it and it shows in their demeanor and the way they might be speaking or presenting or whatever. And that is when people will lose people. Whereas you might look exactly the same, but you're happy with it. You know, you're just you've made some compromises or sacrifices and you've decided that they're worth it. Um or you're maybe you're happy with the way that you're looking after yourself, but you know it doesn't show in you know your weight or, or whatever. I think if you are happy with you know your your self respect, if you are looking after yourself, it gives you self respect, self esteem, and that comes across regardless of what age, size, shape, clothes you're wearing. It will still come mm. through. So I think if you are happy with the way that you're looking after yourself, that will come through regardless. So, so to make it really simple then, you could be the jolly happy fat guy that everybody wants to talk to because he's just the life and soul of everything and he's happy and content in how he is, mm. or you could be the miserable fit person who is trying not to do anything that's going to disturb their own physical fitness because they're going to get really unhappy if they sway one way or the other. Yeah. So it's all about how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your your own confidence. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you it is about balance. And I know everyone rolls their eyes when a fitness person says that because they love everything in moderation, which, by the way, is really shitty advice, because in, like what's moderation for you is not moderation for me. It's got zero mm. context. Um, so I think. Um, yes, you've got to be happy with your choices um and let that sort of shine through in your delivery or your networking and whatever when you're when you're meeting people um so yeah be be happy with your own choices well well networking's an interesting point because I, I do a lot of networking i've been to a networking meeting this morning i've got another one tomorrow morning so typically i do at least one a week sometimes yeah. two or more a week and as with most things business related with networking they all involve food yes so the networking meeting I had this morning, it was a full fry-up English breakfast. The one I've got mm -hmm. tomorrow is the same. Yes, there are other options, but you never tick those other options. 
if you're doing these networking meetings all the time and they're all based around food, sometimes they're very early in the morning, sometimes it's later, how can you as a, as a business owner go to these things, participate with everybody else, yet still not gorge yourself on fry up after fry up and basically mm. get to where I am right now? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, environment has a lot to answer for, doesn't it? The way we design our environment it will nudge us towards different choices, isn't it? That's what they do in the supermarkets, like choice architecture. They build everything so that they push us into these decisions about making, you know, mm. buying things, what we're going to buy, what, what we could see at our eye level and stuff like that. So I think to rely on your willpower in these situations just isn't going to work willpower is finite you know we haven't if I go into a room and I can smell bacon and that you know that's what's on offer or there's like some sad looking muesli in the corner that no one's touched I'm probably going to have the bacon sandwich because why wouldn't you um but I think in that instance it's about connecting with your reason for wanting to be healthier um and I always use um with my clients something called an alter ego so, you know, Food Ninja is my alter ego, if you like. So she's the person who, you know, she's super healthy. She always makes the right choice about everything and um, you know, always eats the right thing in any situation and all that kind of stuff. But also I get my clients to do that and embody, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be the fit dad who plays football in the park with your kids? Um, you know, do you want to be the the business person who goes to a meeting and is like really switched on because you haven't got like you're not in a carb coma from six rounds of toast and whatever within the breakfast so I think connecting with why you might want to make better choices and who you want to become mm. rather than just rocking up to the thing and expecting willpower to do its thing because that just ain't gonna happen mm. everything you've said essentially boils back down to mindset doesn't it it's about what yeah. you want and what you uh, what you're happy with what your target is and what your your goal is so to make it as simple as possible how do you do that uh, mindset is a lifelong thing that you need to work on oh, so, so it's not a, it's not something you can tell us in five minutes and just suddenly <laughs> oh yeah that's the answer and we can all go away and be fit <laughs> unfortunately not i would be I would be rich if I could do that. Um, but and, and I think this is part of the issue, right? Because, um, again, I'm going to say particularly for women, but I know this happens for men as well. The way that health is marketed to us, we need to remember that it's marketed to us by the diet culture. Like, if that's not what health is, our idea of health is what we're being told by slimming world and weight watchers and people who do keto and all this kind of stuff that's mm. not health um so this expectation that we have that someone should give us a set of rules to follow about what we should eat how we should behave how we should exercise and then in 12 weeks time because 12, 12 week transformation is normally the thing isn't it um in 12 weeks time all our problems will be solved so if they aren't, that's not because you've done something wrong. It's because, A, there's unrealistic expectations, because that's just not possible. Um, and B, the method that you've chosen is not sustainable. So, uh, you know, again, Slimming World is one of my 
I've got a, <laughs> I've got a video on TikTok that went viral. Mm. Um, of my opinion of Slimming World. I'll just leave that there if anyone wants to go and look it up because it's quite entertaining. Um, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put a link below that for the below the podcast yeah. to that video so people can check I'll, that one out. I've got a lot of hate on that video. There's, it's a cult, Slimming World. It really is. If you're not getting um, hate, you're not doing it right. So yeah, exactly. So um, so yeah, we've got these unrealistic expectations. Um, and then we pick a method that's not sustainable, which is why everyone wants to know when they hear someone that they haven't heard before. Can you tell me what what's the, what's the thing? Like everyone's like, it, when I when I get a new client, they always look in um, in my my fitness pal where I track my food because they think as a nutritionist there must be a secret food that I eat that you know maybe it's a thing that all nutritionists are in on and we're just not sharing the secret with you. <laughs> There is no secret. There's no quick fix. Um, I've got clients who are with me. I've got a client who's been with me for three years. You know, it's this is what I want to tell people. To get fit and healthy will take a long time. It doesn't take a 12-week transformation problem, uh, program because you need to work from the inside out. Everyone's worried about the outside and what the outside looks like and how, when will people notice that I've lost weight. But to make it really stick, you need to work from the inside out. So you need to start with what are your beliefs around food? How did you come to have the relationship with food that you now have? What happened for you to have that relationship with food? Um, do you display any behaviors around food that you wish that you didn't? Where did they come from? So it's it's starting at that level and trying to repair your relationship with food and exercise because most people see exercise as a punishment or a chore mm. um, when really we should be celebrating what our bodies can do because they're pretty freaking amazing you know if you go into a gym and deadlift 120 kilos or whatever I mean that's amazing right um so working from the inside out and looking at your beliefs your attitude uh, and your mindset about stuff and, and the mindset thing is really hard, which is why I have clients who stay with me for two, three years, because they are in such a fixed mindset about their health and their weight, because they've tried so many diets and they've failed their words. They failed at all of them, mm. which is when I have to say to them, it's the diet that's failed you. It's unsustainable. It doesn't work. You know, everyone can try and keep an eye on what they keep put in their mouth but unless you sort out what's going on in your head about it you've got no chance hmm. so slimming world's a load of bollocks yeah yeah absolutely what about um meal substitutes such um, as like juice plus or other types of juice plus is a big no and herbalife big no <laughs> big no, big right. no. I mean, herbalife has been found to have like trace elements of metals and all sorts of crap in it it's really? not a good yeah, it's not a good thing wow. to um, not a good thing to to do at all. Um, Arbon, pardon. Arbon, no, no. <laughs> any sort of any sort of multi level marketing, I'll probably get a lot of hate for this. Um, generally, uh, and this is my issue with Slimming World as well. The Slimming World consultants, as they're called, don't mm. have any nutrition qualifications. The same with someone who tries to sell you Arbon or Herbalife. They don't have any qualifications whatsoever. Like when I come to work with a client, I don't have a syllabus. So I do completely bespoke one-to-one -one coaching. And that's because 
you know, you are the expert in you. I want to learn from you what you're all about and what you need before I can give you a solution. So to say that, you know, just drink this shake twice a day, like that's it's not sustainable. It's not going to work. Mm. What if you have a stressful job? Stress can make you hungrier. What if you don't sleep well? Sleep affects your hunger hormone and you know it means that you don't make great decisions the next day. It makes you more tired, so you move about less. Um, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of time to cook, all of that kind of stuff. They don't know any of this. Um, meal replacements do have their place. So something like a full meal replacement. I mean, I'm not a massive fan, but Huel is a meal replacement. And if you're really, really, really busy, so you've been sat at your desk all day and the choice is phone delivery and just get like a pizza or get someone to deliver you a sandwich or have a Huel, like the Huel is going to be better for you because it's more balanced. It's got mm. protein in it. It's got nutrients. Um and, you know, being pragmatic, if you're really busy, maybe that's a quick way to eat your lunch. But I de- definitely wouldn't eat every single meal as a meal replacement shake. So if if, if you are really busy, um, mm. so, for example, my, my routine, unless I'm at a networking meeting, I don't have breakfast. Yeah. I, I just don't think the idea of eating food in the morning is something that I want to do. Yeah. Quite often, I'll skip lunch. Right. So I often won't eat anything until the evening. Not not every day, maybe two mm-hmm. or three days a week. I'll skip it something until the evening. Yeah. But I do drink. I mm-hmm. drink coffee throughout the day. Probably six, seven cups of coffee a day is a minimum for me. Um, and then I might have beer or wine in the evening. And mm-hmm. I say might, it's almost a certainty. <laughs> um, so I don't think I eat a lot. I don't eat a lot of calories but I do mm-hmm. drink a lot of calories. My coffee is yeah. black, no sugar, though. So, you know, there's yeah. some goodness in there. Where yeah. am I going wrong, obviously? So I would say, you know, you don't have to eat breakfast if you don't like breakfast. I personally don't eat breakfast. I usually, I, I try and live by the rule I eat when I'm hungry. And I don't normally get hungry till between 11 and 12. So that's that's so when I'll that, eat. That's interesting because some people, they don't eat when they're hungry, do they? They eat out of habit. Habit. Like I used to watch films in the evening before we had to move out of the house we're in now for insurance reasons, and I Mm. would always get a load of snacks for the film, even though I I wasn't really hungry. I wasn't really want to eat them. It's just because I associated eating a bag of minstrels with watching a film. Watching a film, yeah. There, there are very few people, and this is why we're in the situation we're in now. There are very few people who eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full. Because if you can master that, you'll never have a problem with your weight ever again, regardless of what you eat. We're, we're essentially, we're all Labradors, aren't we? We just keep eating yeah. if it's there. Yeah, because, you know, we live in an obesogenic environment. We we are bombarded with images and opportunities to eat for reasons other than hunger. And I'm mm. not saying that you shouldn't re- eat for reasons other than hunger, because, you know, we all eat emotionally because... Food is a comfort to us. It's a source of like it's celebration. It's cultural. We have all of these associations and memories with food, and it can be you know joyful and a nice experience. Um, but when you eat emotionally, and rather than making you feel good, it makes you feel shit because then you're guilty, embarrassed, ashamed. That's when we get the issue of emotional eating. You know, doing more harm than good. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I work with people on recognizing when they're hungry, which sounds really stupid. But it does. It sounds obvious, doesn't it? But it's not. I know. We we don't have to be hungry now in this. You know, we're so lucky. We don't have to be hungry. We can literally pick up our mobile phone and get hot food to our house in like 10 minutes. So when I work with people, I always say to them, like we, we do the hunger scale. And they know what it like, what it's like to feel 10 hungry, because a bit like you, they probably maybe are not eating all day. And then they get to the end of the day and they're like, oh, my God, I'm absolutely starving. I'm number 10 hungry. They know what zero hungry feels like because they eat until they're so full that they're like, oh, my God, I definitely could not eat another bite. I'm zero hungry right now. Mm. But if I say to them, well, what does a four feel like? You know, if you're four hungry or six hungry. No idea. They they can't tell me the, the, the symptoms of being a number four hungry. They can't tell me what it feels like. They can't tell me what they would eat if they were number four hungry. You know, they, they have completely disassociated from their hunger and satiety signals. So learning that skill, when am I actually hungry, like properly hungry? And when am I actually full? You know, eat until you're about 80% full is a skill. But it's a skill that will stop you putting weight on because then you'll never be 100 percent, you know, or what I call Christmas dinner full, which is what a lot of people eat too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Christmas dinner full (laughs) when dessert four comes out. Oh, I couldn't couldn't possibly. Oh, is that Christmas cake? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I can't definitely. I've had a Christmas cake. I can't have anything else. But here comes a mince pie. Oh, yes. Oh, trifle. Oh, there's always room for trifle. Oh, I love trifle. I mean, it's so soft, isn't it? It's not really food. It always it fills a gap. It, it somehow gets in there. So I take it from this then. Are you not an advocate of calorie counting? Oh, no, I am, definitely. Oh. Well, uh, for different reasons. So um, I do get people to track their food if it's appropriate, because obviously I work with a lot of different people. Some of them, maybe most of them, because they're business owners, have type A obsessive personalities. So we need to be a little bit careful about tracking and stuff because they do. You know, business owners are very outcome oriented, aren't we? I'm including myself in this because I'm like this. I am this typical person that I'm describing. Um. And to try and get them to detach from the outcome and just trust the process and get invested in the process and enjoying the daily behaviours that you need to get the outcome is really, really hard. Because they want, give me targets, give me this, give me that, tell me what what to eat. And I'm just like, okay, we're going to take a step back and we're going to track food. But we're going to do it from an awareness point of view. So, yes, I do normally give people a protein target because everyone under eats on protein. And it's so, so important, like incredibly important, probably the most important thing about what you eat. Um, So I might give them a target for that. But other than that, we're tracking for awareness, because if I asked you, like, what did you eat yesterday? You you probably can't remember. I'm genuinely thinking now. Um, mm. I did have lunch yesterday. I didn't have breakfast. I had chicken sandwiches for lunch with a pork pie and a little mini piece of Cathedral City cheese. Oh, so you, ha- you can remember. That's quite I unusual. can, because it was right in front of me. I was sat right here. And then when I got home, we had... Do you know, this is embarrassing. I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> the wife made it. What did we have? I remember I had a very small glass of wine because I had what was left from the day before. 
because I had a, almost a full bottle the day before. Mm. And then two, no, yeah, two glasses of gin and tonic. <laughs> that was a, a light evening's drinking for me. Um, yeah. Food. Oh, yes, we had um, fish with peas and new potatoes. Okay, good. So you can remember. That's I quite unusual. Remember. Yeah. Because most people have no yogurt. idea what they eat. Uh, and, and then you some know, crisps. Along with, <laughs> I was about to say, along with that, there was probably some stuff that you ate mindlessly because yeah. everyone does it. That, and like, some toffees. Things you can't even remember eating. Which I shouldn't so, have had because I wasn't hungry. <laughs> so we, we, we track from an awareness point of view because it's a massive mm. eye-opener. Someone's like, I just don't understand how I've just put weight on slowly over the years. And then you get them to track their food for a day. And they're like, oh, I've eaten 3,500 calories. I don't mm. really understand how that's happened. Or some people, you know, especially with business owners, they're so busy and absorbed in their business that they haven't really got time to think about, well, what's in this food that I'm eating? Is there any protein? You know, I've had people go a whole day without eating any protein whatsoever because they just haven't got the capacity to think about those things. Mm. So I do think tracking um, and calorie counting is useful because the only way to lose fat is to be in a calorie deficit. And once you understand that principle, you don't need all these other stupid diets like Slimming World and Keto and Weight Watchers, because that's all that's happening is they are using some shitty proprietary method to get you in a calorie deficit. But they don't want you to know that because once you know that, then you don't have to pay them anymore. Mm. You know, they're creating a reliance. I mean, the woman who owns Slimming World even said her business model is about retention. You know, whereas I say to my clients, you know, I love my clients, but I don't want you to be my client forever and ever. I want to sort you for life. And then you go away and in the nicest possible way, I don't want to see you again because I don't want you to keep going through this process all of the time. Mm. And, you know, to make sure that happens, I give people free aftercare afterwards. So, you know, three months after they finish coaching, I will have another call with them and say, is everything still working? If it's not working, I'll coach them for free until whatever it was that isn't working sticks. Um, and there's not that I don't know of another health coach who does that because everyone uses their method. Yeah, um, in, in many ways, your your business model is quite flawed because you're like a driving instructor. The better you are, the shorter yeah. you work with a client, and then you never have to see them again. Yes, but um, you know, there's so many people who need help, hmm. so. I'm, I'm okay. There's a steady stream, <laughs> a steady stream of people who need to be sorted out. And, and so, presumably as well, when you help people, they'll refer you to others. Oh, she was amazing. She did this. And no, yeah. I don't need any of this, this rubbish diets. I've been running my business for 10 years and I've never done a single penny of paid advertising. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. So as a, as, as a business owner then, what mm. kind of things should I be avoiding and what kind of things should I be ensuring I do eat? So, number one, I would say hydration because... And you don't mean coffee, do you? I don't mean coffee, no. no. <laughs> you you so mean water. Coffee, coffee isn't that bad. Mm. Okay, So, I, I would never say to someone, stop drinking coffee. Because if you enjoy it, you know, what's the point of making yourself miserable? Because... You know, you don't want you want to you want your days to be enjoyable. You don't want to be sat there thinking about how you'd be love to be on your third cup of coffee by now, make you miserable. So what I would say um, is in the morning when you wake up, 
try and delay your first cup of coffee by about 90 minutes. I know, horrifying, right? Um, and drink a pint of water instead. So the reason for that is you're, um, you've got these like receptors. So you've got this um, um, substance in your body that builds up and makes you sleepy. And when you wake up in the morning, not all of that substance has left your body yet. But when you drink coffee, coffee binds on to that substance and has it hanging around in your bloodstream a bit more. So when the caffeine eventually goes, you're just left with that, which is what that afternoon crash is, because then you're sleepy again. So if you can drink some water and give that a chance to clear out of your bloodstream, hang on for 90 minutes and then drink a coffee, you're much less likely to get that afternoon slump. Okay. So on, on a weekday for me, my alarm goes off, unless I'm at a networking meeting, seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I get into work for nine o'clock. So I typically don't have a coffee until after nine Ooh. o'clock. Okay, good. Awesome. That's so you're probably, already doing it. That, well, unintentionally, it's because I'm so sluggish. Um, <laughs> but I'm not drinking water in the morning. So you're suggesting I should probably drink a pint of water before I leave the house. Yes. Before I get into work. And that'll Absolutely. help. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would try and drink a further three pints of water throughout the day. So an easy way to remember to do this. So you have the pint in the morning when you wake up. And then every time you eat something. All I heard you say then is have a pint in the morning when you wake up. I can do that. (laughs) You're like, yeah, perfect. (laughs) Um, So have a pint every time you eat something. Mm -hmm. So obviously you don't eat breakfast. Like try and eat some lunch, I would suggest. Definitely. Have a pint of water then. Have a pint of water with your evening meal. And then, you know, maybe have a pint. Like I have this on my desk all the time, a one litre bottle, because if it's there on my desk staring at me, I'll remember to drink it. So maybe get in a water bottle or something. I mean, I drink squash. You don't have to be boring and drink plain water. Um, So, yeah, you can put some flavours and stuff in it. But 100% hydration, because if you do drink alcohol, you will be dehydrated Basically, as soon as you wake up, if you're drinking alcohol in the evening, you'll be dehydrated when you wake up. Mm. And then if you're just drinking coffee all day, you know, it's a bit of a myth that coffee uh, makes you dehydrated, but it doesn't hydrate you in the same way. So you definitely need to add some other liquids into it, non-alcoholic. Okay. And and in terms of lunch, what sort of things should somebody like me be eating and, and what sort of stuff should mm. we be avoiding? So you want to keep yourself nice and full, obviously. Um, So protein, protein is so important. So protein is um, really important for uh, maintaining our lean muscle mass, because as we get older, we get something called age related sarcopenia, which is where our natural muscle mass starts to waste. And that's why, you know, if you don't keep on top of your protein, you are going to be the 70 year old guy who falls over and breaks their hip because you haven't got any muscle mass there to support you. So there's a look into my future. Thank you. (laughs) So eating plenty of protein. So I always say to people when we're thinking about what you're going to eat, plan for protein, scavenge for carbs, because protein needs to be planned because most of it needs to be cooked. Or you need to think about buying a cooked version. So chicken, fish, boiled eggs, like beef, turkey, whatever. 
And then I would say scavenge for carbs, because if you went into your kitchen, you could find some carbs right now, couldn't you? Microwave rice, like mm-hmm. pasta, bread, put it in a sandwich, whatever. So I, for lunch, I would have, you know, if you like sandwiches, um, go for maybe some wholemeal or seeded bread, because that will give you, especially seeded bread, will give you some healthy fats, some omega-3, and then some lean meat, like you could have a tuna sandwich or chicken mm. or turkey, put some salad in it because green stuff right we all know we're meant to eat green stuff um so you don't mean you don't mean green green m&ms and jelly babies do you (laughs) unfortunately not those can be part of a healthy balanced diet Hmm. but we need some other stuff in there too okay so if it if it's like i would say to people eat stuff that's convenient to you as well because you know if I said to you, yeah, you've got to make this humongous freaking salad from scratch every lunchtime, you're going to be like, well, I'm just not going to do that. So what's the point? No. So I always say I'm the laziest nutritionist in the world, right? I use microwave rice. I use chicken that's been pre-marinated in like silver trays from like Sainsbury's or whatever. I even sometimes buy pre-chopped vegetables that I just put in the microwave because like, why not? You know, being healthy is not about cooking from scratch every single day. It's about making the best choice for you. And if that means you've got to factor in convenience because you haven't got the time or the capacity or the inclination to cook, then why not? Hmm. So, yeah, if you want, if you like a sandwich or something, just go for a sandwich, but pack loads of stuff into it. Loads of flavor. Like I love like turkey, pesto and salad. That's really nice because the pesto is really tasty. Hmm seeded bread for the omega-3s loads and loads of turkey you know so yeah definitely protein one, protein all the time one thing i do occasionally eat but i don't make a point of having it in and it is something i could do unless you tell me that's a bad idea is in the office i, I do actually like tuna oh nice but i don't like mayonnaise and also if you get a tuna sandwich in marks and spencers or something it's always tuna mayo it's almost like yeah. tuna mayo is now a thing you cannot yeah. separate them anymore so I, I quite like eating a tin of tuna on its own. Yeah. Or, do you know, um, balsamic vinegar all over tuna is really nice. Mm. So you could get a little bottle of balsamic and keep it in your desk drawer. And then you, you can even get those tuna pouches, can't you, which are flavoured. I mean, personally, I think it's a bit like cat food because it comes in the same sort of pouch. And the way I'm you've just like... described that does make me think it's cat food, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can get those like flavored ones that, you know, like tuna with sun-dried tomatoes and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like tuna and balsamic is really nice. But it is acceptable then just to eat a tin of tuna out of the tin. Yeah, yeah why not? If that, if that meat, if, that, if that's the difference between A, you eating and not eating, or B, you eating that and then just grabbing some sort of convenience like pasty or whatever, then the tuna is going to hmm. win every time. Yeah, Cornish pasties from, or sausage roll from Greg's, that kind of thing. That's the sort of stuff you shouldn't be having. Well, I mean, I wouldn't eliminate it from your diet if you like it, but I wouldn't make it a staple, put it that way. You see, that's, I'm, the, that's I'm very... the problem. I'm, I'm a routine person. I would mm. go months and months and months without having something like that, and then when I have one, it's like, oh, that was good, and I'll do it again the next day, and then it mm. will become a thing for maybe yeah. a week or two weeks that's, that's really, what you shouldn't do isn't it that's really really common uh, and more so in business owners because we do get fixated on things mm. um but also a lot of that can be about restriction 
So if you are purposefully or even subconsciously restricting a certain food because you've categorized it as bad or naughty or unhealthy, then, you know, that restriction will lead to you eventually binging on that food because our our perception of a restriction dictates its impact. So if you perceive that, oh, my God, I never I'm not allowed sausage rolls. I never eat them because they're really bad for me. At some point, your brain's going to go, hey, remember sausage rolls? And like the floodgates are going to open. You'll be like, holy shit, I'm having six sausage rolls every day. Um, So I think including like a little bit of those sorts of foods um, in your daily diet or weekly diet is the way to go. Like I always say to my clients, no food is off limits. You're allowed to eat whatever the hell you want, but you have to believe that for it to really work because once you say to your brain there's no restriction I could have a sausage roll every day if I wanted one suddenly you don't want one I suppose yeah you, it's like we're like children aren't we mm. you tell a child they can't have something and they want it you tell yeah. them it's there for them whenever they want and they're not yeah. that bothered exactly mm. so, so yeah it's just like try and I would include foods that you deem to be uh, naughty. Like I hate all that terminology. That's another thing as well. You know, nothing is the poisons in the dose, as they say. Sins. Oh, don't please. <laughs> yeah. Like oh my god, I just I can't say enough about Slimming World. I absolutely just uh, pe- people wonder why I'm so um, sort of vehemently against. <laughs> them but i i have to pick up the pieces of people who've been slimming world uh, members for 20 years and that that the lady who's been with me for three nearly four years now she's an ex-slimming world um member and her relationship with food is awful and that's why it's taken me it's taking us so long to sort it out Mm. and that's why i'm so passionate about telling everyone their shit (laughs) I love that. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier on about um, being in a calorie deficit so that you're eating a certain amount of calories, but you're also burning a certain amount off. Mm. When you're typically a business owner, unless you're out running around meeting people, you can mm. literally stay at a desk without moving all day other than to use the loo. Yeah. What's the best way to make sure that doesn't happen, that you do have some kind of movement within your life? Yeah, I would say if you don't move at all, like don't feel like you have to join some stupid boot camp or do like extreme exercise or anything. Walking is awesome because um, you can do it for longer at a higher intensity. And for that reason, it burns lots of calories. But the reason that I love walking and I get all of my clients to do it is the mental health benefits and the cognitive benefits as well so you know it can really help with increased productivity it can help with creativity it can help with focus and concentration it can be calming it's really good for your mental health depending on where you live I live I can't quite see it but I can nearly see the sea out of my window because I live in pool so I'm very lucky to be able to walk along the seafront for my walk so obviously that's super good for my mental health but if think of it this way 
like yes I know that we all want to work all the time because we love our businesses most of the time and we're really excited to do stuff but think about it as a return on investment so if I said to you look could you invest 20 minutes of your time in your health right and that's how I normally start it because everyone's like of course I could because no one everyone's too embarrassed to say I will not even leave my desk for like 15 minutes so I'm like right okay let's use that 15 minutes we're going to reinvest it in in your health and you're going to go for a walk so go for a walk and then they do that consistently for a week and what they find is when they get back to their desk because I either get them to do it in the morning or in the middle of the day they are they feel fresher they feel more focused um they actually get more shit done and it's particularly if they do lunchtime walks so then what happens that 15 minutes that they've invested by the time they've been doing that for two weeks they've maybe got 20 minutes a day at, at the end of their day back because they're quicker at doing stuff they're calmer they see they're more solutions focused they're more creative so then we've got, OK, well, we've got 20 minutes now. Do you, What are you going to do with that 20 minutes? Do you want to reinvest it back in your health? Let's make the walk longer or let's have two walks. So knowing how to I mean, that that's something that I developed because that is a way to get a business owners. Right. If you reinvest this, you'll get this back and mm. it will be better and you'll be more productive. So I would say think of it that way. You're investing in your health and it is going to give you benefits in your business as well um so yeah just 15 20 minutes a day for a walk start off like that and I would say be really mindful like notice do you feel any different when you come back from the walk are you getting more work done have you come up with a new amazing idea are you a bit nicer to your staff and less of a dick to be around you know it's it's all of those benefits for your business it's not just oh my god I've got to go for a walk it's it's so much more than that but but again I, I agree with everything you said but I still do that again in 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 fits so I'll mm. say right I'm going to start walking now I'm going to make it happen and it's usually after I've come back from holiday yeah. where I've been self-conscious about myself compared to other people you see by the pool mm. right I'm going to do it I'm going to go home and I'm going to go walking every day and I'll probably do it every single day for maybe six or seven or eight days yeah. and then it'll tail off and then it'll stop and then mm. I'll think bollocks to it yeah so a couple of things that you can do so first of all are you coming back from holiday and then deciding you're going to walk five miles a day no 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 it's usually as you say about half an hour okay good so what i would do is um track it because um Apple watch i i, I, I do hmm. perfect so tracking it and maybe putting that i mean i'm a massive geek right because i used to be an it consultant so i track everything on a spreadsheet so i take all the data off look at i've got two things <laughs> to track my health um so i take take all the data off and put it on a spreadsheet so that i can see where I'm improving and where I'm going wrong but if you track things it it's a, kind of a two-pronged approach because first of all it allows you to see consistency mm. um, and it allows you to become more motivated because of it because you're filling in you know ticked off today ticked off the next day um, but that has been shown to give people a dopamine hit so it actually affects, you know, if you're trying to wire in this new behavior, 
tracking the fact that you're doing it is more likely to do it because it's rewarding you for tracking. So it's saying, hey, do you know what? This behavior is good because you've tracked it and you've done it three days in a row. And then the same study, I think, found that you can get a further dopamine hit about the same thing by sharing your progress with other people. Mm. So, for example, so if you decided, right, I'm definitely going to go for a walk every day, but I'm going to track it and maybe give myself some little targets like a 5% increase in my steps every week, for example, or I'm going to try and do the same walk, but I'm going to shave a few seconds off it every Monday or whatever. And then maybe sharing that with your partner at the end of the week going, oh, wow, look, I've done all of this and, you know, I've increased my steps, whatever. That that motivation, because dopamine, people think it's our, um, you know, hormone of pleasure. It's actually to do with motivation, dopamine. So if you can sort of get little dopamine hits for doing stuff, it will motivate you to carry on doing it. Hmm. So tracking and sharing. It does. It make, makes you feel better. That problem I've got is if I go for a walk with my wife, she's got shorter legs than me. We walk the same time. We come back. I've done 3,000 steps. She's done 4,000. It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's genuinely frustrating. Well, I am also a person of diminutive stature. Um, and I, this is a fun fact for you. I have been doing ultra walks. Um, ultra so walk? I, so I set myself a massive challenge at the beginning of the year um, and I was going to do one ultra walk, which was a hundred kilometer walk, uh, continuous overnight. Whoa. So I went on the website to sign up and they had 15 events over the year and in an extreme WTF moment, I just thought, oh, I'm just going to do all of them. So I have this Saturday just completed event 11 of 15. Wow. Um, and I've got a 100k walk on Saturday, and then I've got another one the Saturday after. Um, but on those walks, because I've got little legs, um, I can do about 120,000 steps in a day. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 120,000. I think the most I've done in a day is about 144. Bloody hell. (laughs) Most I've ever done is 22,000, and that's when we went to Universal Studios in Orlando. And we did their Fright Fest in the evening where you're walking around and going through the haunted houses, and it's basically like a massive queue. So, you know, being British, loved that. And I was absolutely knackered. My legs felt like jelly by the end of it. But you've done 100,000 more than that in a single day. Yes. And I've done, uh, yeah, I did six 100 kilometer walks in the space of 10 weeks, back to back weekends. All right. Well, no one likes a show off. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have to do that. You can start off with a 20 minute walk every day. Yeah. 20 minute walk every day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or if you've got vitality health insurance like I have and you get the benefits with the Apple Watch, you need to do a 30 minute walk at 70% heart rate to get your points. Hmm. Well, and then you get your free coffees well. and your free cinema tickets and stuff. So Yeah, mm. yeah. Gamifies. That's what yeah, it's all about. exactly. Gamifying yeah. works, but uh, mostly because of this dopamine hit. You know, like, you know, like Duolingo where you get the streak. You know, mm. Streaks are yeah. very powerful. And you can just create your own on a little spreadsheet. You can just like each day you do it, just sort of like fill it in green. 
And then if you don't do it, you have to fill it in red. I mean, do you think I want to see a red square on my green thing of green squares? Absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> right. Do you, do you know what? We're out of time. Oh, wow. Okay. We, we are out of time. I know. I, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I could just talk for you for hours. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, uh, whether it's about, because we've not even mentioned your podcast, so please tell us about that as well. Whether it's your podcast, whether it's um, working with you as, as, a, as, a, as a nutritionist, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you? So my website is food.ninja, which is very easy to remember. Um, so you can contact me there. I am quite active on Facebook and Instagram. So on Facebook, I'm Hayley Food Ninja and Instagram, I'm, I am the Food Ninja. And as I said before, aforementioned famous TikTok video. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of active on TikTok, but not as much. But um, yeah, any of those website, Instagram, Facebook, I'm on them all. And the podcast as well? The podcast is called Rude Health, mostly because I am quite sweary. And, <clears throat> you know. <laughs> I've noticed. Yes. Um, and it is uh, had a little bit change in direction. So I did a season last season and talked to lots of different business owners and stuff uh, about their health. Um, and now because I work mostly with women, um, I am focusing a bit more on talking to women about um, how they feel when they get to 40 and over um, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on, obviously. Um, and one of the reasons I did my ultra challenge walks is because I had some um, quite serious mental health symptoms, which I about 18 months ago, which I eventually found out were perimenopause symptoms. Um, so until that happens to you, well, it's not going to happen to you, obviously. But until that happens to you, <laughs> it's actually you do actually think you're losing your mind. Um and the walks have really helped me with that. And I want to encourage more women to go on adventures, women over 40, because we're kind of sort of fade into the background and told that you're in decline. You can't do anything amazing anymore and mm. all that kind of stuff. So Rude Health is really about more about women's health and showcasing women who are doing extraordinary things. Okay, excellent. And if anybody is listening to this who is a woman in their 40s and yes. was potentially wanted to be a guest on your podcast, they could reach mm. out to you as well. Absolutely. I would love to hear from any women who um, have maybe struggled with perimenopause menopause, and um, didn't have any education or awareness because that's another issue. And maybe they've sort of overcome some challenges and are doing something extraordinary. I would love to hear from them. Thank you. Okay. So thank you very much for, for being on there. I, I, I've loved this and I, I feel incentivized now. I feel enthused to go out and actually go for a walk and I'm going to do it now. Good. Do Genuinely. it. And then plan your lunches for the week. Well, it's, it's Wednesday. So, you know, <laughs> do it next week. But Turkey yes. and pesto sandwiches or tuna. I, I just have the tuna. I, I, I genuinely, I actually like eating tuna from a tin. I don't know why. I've, I hate cats. Yeah, you know, I act like one. But there we are. So thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. 